God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week we're still celebrating Christmas. It's the first Sunday after Christmas, and we're looking at the beginning of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came. And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. As some of you know, when I was a teenager, I lived in Australia. I spent a year there. I was an exchange student when I was in high school. And when I was in Australia, I fell in love with the game of cricket. 
Now, probably most of you aren't terribly familiar with the game of cricket, but essentially it's a game, it's sort of like baseball, except it's completely different. There's a field, there's a bat, and there's a ball. Beyond that, it's very different. And I loved playing cricket, although the truth is I'm not a terribly good cricket player. But when I left Australia, the opportunities for playing cricket in Indiana in the 1980s were pretty slim. Um, but when we lived in Portland, Oregon, there was in fact a cricket league. And so I joined the cricket league, but again, not a terribly good cricket player, so I ended up becoming a cricket umpire, so I could umpire the games. Unfortunately, in like real, like big league cricket, the umpires wear like a long white jacket and a nice hat. I didn't get a nice hat or a long white jacket, but, um, but I still was an umpire. Now, the thing is, is one of the things I've discovered is that Sometimes reading the rules of something doesn't necessarily help us understand how the game is played. And, and kind of what sent me down this path was that at Christmas time, my daughter received a couple of new games. And we sat down to try to figure out how to play them. And you're sitting there with the rules, and you've got the, the cards and the dice, and you're like, I really have no idea what this all means. And I was thinking about that in terms of, of cricket, which none of you no, but as I said, it's a lot like baseball. And so I looked at the laws of cricket. There's a rule book that talks about cricket. And I was looking specifically because I wanted to compare and contrast the rules about where the batter stands, the person with the bat. Where do they stand in the game? Here are the rules from the laws of cricket. When out of his ground. A batsman shall be considered to be out of his ground unless some part of his person or bat is grounded behind the popping crease at that end. However, a batsman shall not be considered to be out of his ground if in running or diving towards his ground and beyond and having grounded some part of his person or bat beyond the popping crease, there is subsequent loss of contact between the ground and any part of his person or bat or between the bat and person. If only one batsman is within a ground, it is his ground and will remain so even if he is later joined there by another batsman. If both batsmen are in the same ground and one of them subsequently leaves it, the ground belongs to the batsman who remains in it. If there is no batsman in either ground, then each ground belongs to whichever batsman is nearer to it. Or if the batsmen are level to whichever batsman was nearer to it immediately prior to their drawing level. If a ground belongs to one batsman, then unless there is a striker who has a runner, the other ground belongs to the other batsman, irrespective of his position. Now, can any of you explain to me what I just said? No, of course not, because you've never seen cricket. Those are words that don't make any sense to you at all. What the heck is a popping crease or a striker? Right? We've never seen that, so it's unclear to us. Now, if we were to compare that, say, to the rules of baseball, which say, the batter shall take his position in the batter's box when it is his time to bat. The batter shall not leave his position in the batter's box after the pitcher comes to the set position or starts his windup. If the batter refuses to take his position in the batter's box during his time at bat, the umpire shall call a strike on the batter. 
The batter shall keep at least one foot in the batter's box throughout the batter's time at bat unless one of the following exceptions applies. The batter swings at a pitch. An attempted check swing is appealed to a base umpire. The batter is forced off balance or out of the batter's box by a pitch. A member of either team requests and is granted time. A defensive player attempts a play on a runner at any base. The batter faints a bunt. A wild pitch or passed ball occurs. A batsman shall be considered to be out of his or her ground. And, oh, sorry, wrong one. If the batter intentionally leaves the batter's box and delays play and none of the exceptions listed above applies, the umpire shall issue a warning to the batter. And the batter may leave the batter's box and the dirt area surrounding home plate when time is called for the purpose or as a result of an injury, making a substitution, or a conference by either team. That probably made a lot more sense, right? Because all of us have probably either seen or played baseball or softball in our lives, right? It's, it's, it's intrinsic to being an American person to having seen baseball, right? And so, so the rules make sense to us because we've seen the game played, right? But the other rules didn't make any sense to us because even though they're English words, and they're put together in a grammatically correct context, we can't picture it. And so they're just words that kind of jumble up in our heads. Most of us have to either see or experience something to really understand it. And that is the situation exactly that Paul and the Gospel of John are speaking to. That before Jesus, there were lots of rules, but no one had ever truly seen a righteous life. And so no one knew really, really how to live the life that God had created them for. There was a very complicated rule book that, that sometimes contradicts itself. And, and I guess the priests were, in the, were the umpires on that one. But, but no one had ever seen God. And so no one really knew what God wanted. I mean, there were lots of clues. And there were lots of rules. And we're trying to figure them out. And... And there's lots of arguments about that. But since we'd never seen it, we didn't really know it. And so Paul tells us that's why Jesus came. To show us an example of a righteous life. Of how to live as a human in the way that God would want us to live. To live the way that we were created for. To fulfill the purpose for which we were made. Jesus comes to dwell among us so that we might know God and what God wants for us. And so the story of Jesus' life is, is the place where we as Christians really need to dwell. We need to understand that story, the story given to us in the Gospels about who Jesus was, how he moved through his life, how he interacted with the people he encountered, how he confronted people in authority, how he confronted people in need. And in the midst of all of the stuff that life brings, that Jesus also experienced how to stay true to the vision of God. And Jesus shows us this perfectly. And so when we know that story, 
when we can tell that story for ourselves and when we can see that story reflected in our own lives, when we do the things that Jesus did, we are living the life we were created for. That's, that's really at the core of this invitation that Jesus offers us. That is Christianity in a nutshell. Do what Jesus did. And when we do that, right, when we do the things that Jesus did, when we treat people the way that Jesus treated people, when we confront the evils in the world the way that Jesus confronted the evils in the world, we, like Jesus, can do amazing things. That the example he gives us is the pathway to our salvation, however we understand that. That we are saved from from our own selfish, self-centered world where we are inwardly focused to be the outwardly focused people of community that God wants us to be. And so in Jesus, we see how the game is played. And so when we can go back after we see how Jesus lives, we can understand the guidance that God has given us in the tradition and in the scriptures so that when we encounter some new situation, we can know how to respond. We can answer the question, what would Jesus do for ourselves? And we can live the life that we were created for. No one has seen God, John tells us. But we have seen the Son. And through him we know what God wants for us. Amen.